Happy anniversary, honey. Oh, happy anniversary. Right. Happy anniversary. You know, last year we did whatever song we did. And our second. <laughs> must have done something right. Must have done something right. Yeah. And our second choice for last year was a song that would fit perfectly for this year because it opens with the line, it's been a year filled with problems, but now you're here almost as if to solve them. So for our anniversary this year, we're doing some random piece of shit from the first <laughs> demo. <laughs> Happy anniversary. It's not a piece of shit. It's a good song. Let's talk about it on Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. This sounds different. Something's not dampening the oh, sound well, as much to me. We don't have oh, the placemats. The placemats are good. The placemats are in the wash. Something's off, but that's then it's okay. Definitely the placemats. Should we? Do it's something? all good. <laughs> Should we do something to make up for it? We have I a sweater. Definitely peeking. We have a sweater that the dog wears. Grab that. Hold oh on. no! It's her tracksuit. It's her like <laughs> a D Adidas bark tracksuit or something. It's a little pink Adidas tracksuit, but it's called what does it say, Danny? Pick it up. Oh, pick it up. Pick it up. It, it says Adidas, but it says a dog, a D dog, a dogus. A dogus, yeah. So you good can, stuff. Folks, Puns. You can, folks, Not you a can great tell pun, that, but you know. You can tell I'll that things it. are a little different this week because it's it's been weeks since we've done a regular podcast in our home. Wow. Two weeks ago, we recorded from Jessica's parents' house during Christmas. Right. We Um, excuse me, I think you mean Sadie Hawkins Pod South. Sadie Hawkins Pod East. East. Sadie Hawkins Pod East. Sorry. So here we go. I put the placemats because we had our anniversary dinner. And we got drawn butter all over the placemats. Right, because we had lobster. I you, ordered lobster. You cannot. It's not eat a good feed. You, you cannot eat indoors or outdoors in LA. You right. have to get takeout. Yeah. So we had to get fancy takeout for at home. And I got lobster because we're we're doing it this time, 2021, all vegan all the way. All vegan all the time. I was vegan all day today when I wasn't home. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> we had leftover steak and lobster. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, but please. What now? What? What were you a good boy vegan having this afternoon for lunch, Danny? I had a vegan cheeseburger. Uh huh. What? What else was on that burger, hon? Uh, onion rings. <laughs> nice, healthy onion vegan onion rings. rings. No, that is not. We are on diets. We need to be good kids, and no, that was not a good kid choice. So anyway. Our anniversary. I have two pop filters going, and I am still like those S's are just really ringing, and I apologize for Let's that. This up. Next week, though, we finally bit the bullet. We got the second mic, right. and we will be getting the um, I'm making mixer. This thing, the mixer. We need a little mixer. There we go. I was doing hand motions, so yeah, yeah, be good so stuff. 
big changes in 2021. Big Heck changes yeah. for Sadie Hawkins Pod. We hope <laughs> all of you have had a safe and healthy Christmas, a safe and healthy New Year's Eve. That's right. Um, and yes, it's our anniversary. It's right. the third. It's the last season. It's the last holiday of the season. All of you, Sadie Hawkins Pod Nation. <laughs> You know that the that the Christmas season finally well, ends when it's Danny and Jessica's anniversary. What about Valentine's Day and then St. Patrick's Day? Those don't count. Those are made up. Those are manufactured. We don't <laughs> celebrate those. Those are made up by Christmas card companies and the liberal media. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so today we're talking about Kojak. Yes. Which is a song from All Work and No Play. It's a song that never made it past All Work and No Play. And for good reason. No, I like this song quite a you, lot. Even though I, at the top of the show in the Danny. little skit. Are you kidding? No, I really like Danny, it. this song sounds so garage bandy. Yeah. Like, this is what this is what it sounded like. I have videos of this my- This is what it sounds like when doves cry. <laughs> I have videos of my friends and I in high school- in my bedroom when they would like come over with their guitars and I would be playing drums and we would play Ashley Simpson and Avril Lavigne covers and that is what this song sounds like. Yeah, and Ashley Simpson and Avril Lavigne <laughs> rock. <laughs> and I mean, all they do, no but that's not even rocks. a question. I mean, true. Because we get we get British Teeson again, which I love British Teeson. He might be my favorite. So this is... Probably one of my favorite now that because you know I never spent that much time without working no play. Yeah, I I joined the fan club in the early two thousands when Dave and Brian were still in the band just so I could get a copy of this. I listened to it once or twice and never and didn't listen to it again <laughs> until I started a Reliant K podcast. But as far as deep cut songs from All Work and No Play goes, this song I like quite a bit. I really like this song. And I feel like we skipped right over the fact that we have two voicemails. Oh. So let's get back to talking about Kojak. For sure. And all Wait, the research be- before, we did for it. <laughs> before we go into that, I just want to say that I totally forgot this until right now. When we got married and we merged our CD collections, because, you know, that's the most important part of marriage is right. merging your CD collections, <laughs> not changing your name, not like joint bank accounts, merging your CD collections. And that's what kids today are missing when they don't have CD collections. Oh, so they're not going to have a marriage that lasts if they're not merging their collections. <laughs> so when we got together and we put our CDs together, I remember Danny being like, Jessica, you love Reliant K. You have to go look through. I have all the EPs and everything. You have to go look through my collection. I remember looking through it and looking at the all work and no play disc and being like, this is, this looks like, like, like a playlist. Like somebody just ripped the, like Danny ripped this and made this oh, art, this awful, like, I've definitely artwork done that. for this. I like, made, I made playlists. And I put them oh, together the with, same thing. with that artwork. Oh, for sure. One of the ones I was the most proud of was called Stolen Songs for You. Oh. And it's where I went through my whole CD collection and I found all my favorite covers by bands that I owned. And oh. I put together like a... It was basically like like a Me First and the Gimme Gimme's, but a compilation of like bands that I knew. It sounded so sensual though, like an erotic thriller. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? It was a songs I stole. Songs 
Stolen Songs for You. Stolen Songs for You. That because sounds they like were an covers. Andrew Stevens movie right there. <laughs> I guess it does. <laughs> but that's that's one that I put together because I, I got a picture of a karaoke machine and I put the word stole. I made like real artwork to it. Like um, that one uh, Foreigner compilation where it's like the first four albums or something and it's like best of Foreigner up to a point and it's sure. a jukebox because jukebox hero. Sure. Like that. Yeah, I guess. Sure. I guess so. Anyway, yeah, I definitely put, like, artwork together for compilations that I put together on CDR. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, same. Totally if, same. If Johnny's out there still listening, my friend Johnny from high school, I did that for him one time. He put together a whole big playlist. It needed two CDRs for a certain girl he likes that I oh, won't no. name in this episode. Oh, no. I know who the girl is. Oh, no. And then I had to put together artwork, and he left it on her car. Oh man, like she didn't, she did not deserve He that dodged love. the bullet. <laughs> he really did. Man, like some girl would be so fortunate to get those beautiful mix CDs and <laughs> this is like, wasted on It was a Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist prequel. Oh man. Good they ripped stuff. off that story from my friend Johnny. But who cares? No one knows. Voicemails. No one knows what we're talking about. <laughs> Instead, we got two voicemails. Everyone will know what's going on here. So first, a David calls up. Right. We have a lot of Davids that call this show. This one was David Bowie, was it not? Don't spoil it. <laughs> Don't spoil it. Here we go. Hi, Danny and Jeff. This is David Couch. Uh, say hi. Guys, in a while, um, you get Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. What happened to, to his accent? What happened to David Bowie? Because it was just thing. his birthday. The return, the re- now, I always say, we always say David Ketch. I'm meaning to shift it to David Dizon because that's his real name. David's been following us. He's been a loyal listener for a while, and I've been meaning to use, start using his real last name. Patron. Patron. Patron of the arts. Patron. That is Sadie Hawkins' <laughs> yeah. pod. So D- David Dizon, David Dizon, I got it right when I talked to him on the Deathbed episode. But when you look at the translation... I still haven't listened to that, and I don't think I ever will. Well, you're going to have to when you do the episode, uh, the Deathbed Part 2 that uh, we do. David catches voicemail, the Google Translate, says, How can I help you? This is David Bowie. <laughs> but So I thought it was David calling up to do a David Bowie impression. <laughs> Which would make sense, because David Bowie's birthday was January 8th, so it was just the other day. Right, but also, David will sometimes <laughs> reference things that I can't remember from episodes, which is slowly That's happening. That's why he's our intern. Right. Well, he's th- on top of he's it. He's on top of it. He remembers these references we make that I don't necessarily remember, because it's like a passing thing in the moment when we're talking about it, and like maybe I catch it in the edit. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I don't. So, no, that wasn't David Bowie. That was just David Ketch. But here's a different... And he was calling to say hi, and he hadn't touched base in a while. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, here's a different David calling up the podcast. Oh, okay. Hello, Danny and Jeff. (laughs) David Lynch calling. (laughs) It's Wednesday morning at 10.13 a.m., 61 degrees here on Ventura Boulevard. 
I, I don't know the Celsius. I've forgotten. Well, I wanted to call and let you know I'm a big Reliant K fan. But a lot of people don't know that it's not pronounced Reliant K. It's pronounced Reliant <laughs> Anyway, it should be a high of 66 <laughs> degrees here in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe. David Lynch called. I him. cannot believe my my big time crush, my celebrity <laughs> crush David Lynch called into our podcast. Oh my gosh. Today I'm thinking about I'm losing my mind. All work and no play. And how it's a very underrated demo. The real David Lynch who called in sounded way better at being David Lynch than you, hon. Whatever. So I thought Happy it was, anniversary. I thought it was hilarious that technically four different Davids called us. We had David Ketch, David Park, David <laughs> Bowie, and David Lynch. Wait, when did David Park call in? <laughs> at some point. Oh, okay. Are but, you going to play that voicemail or no? We'll play it next week. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So anyway... Can you tell Kojak. we got a lot to say about this song? I love this song. Spoiler warning, do I like this song better, the same, or less than <laughs> before we started the episode? I like it way better. This is probably one of my favorite songs right Danny, now. Danny, you of are supposed to no save that for the end. I said spoiler warning. People can <sighs> skip the time the, the time code. So, yeah, this song... Kojak. Kojak. It's, it's a jam, honestly. Like, I really like it. It does sound like crap. Like, I understand. But in a good way. But in a really good way. And I started thinking about this and how, like, um, it kind of put me down a little bit of a rabbit hole with some other sort of Christian punk that basically said... Because here's the thing. This, <laughs> this, this is obvious. This was a demo. This was a demo. And, like... It doesn't, you know, it was, it's not up to snuff with what Reliant K became, obviously. This was recorded on their own time. Mark Lee Townsend was involved. So in a way, like, this is still canonical to Reliant K, even though they don't, like, you know, they've never repressed it except for that one time in the early 2000s for the fan club. But it's not like this is some sort of... Like, uh, I, speaking of David Park, who will listen to a voicemail some other time, not this sure. week. Sure, yeah. But Jimmy World, how they have their first demo that they, like, don't even, not demo, but their first, like, EP album thing that they don't even acknowledge was real. Right. They don't even acknowledge it as part of their canon. Reliant K sort of acknowledges this as canon, but not really. I, I get the sense that they're a little embarrassed about it. They shouldn't They went be. with All Work, it No rocks. Playlist as the vinyl, the fan-curated right. vinyl choice. Now, you couldn't pick any songs off of All Work and No Play. <laughs> <Not> exactly. <laughs> but they still used it as the title, which is nice for, like, the, like, the diving deep fans. Right. Which is really, which is really nice. So listening to this song put me down a little bit of a rabbit hole where I started thinking of, like... These like, and it's not just a Christian thing for sure. I'm sure there's lots of other regular bands and secular bands that could be put in this, but it made me think of like Betty Rocket Records. It made me think of like Betty Rocket Records and like these the the kinds of like after MXPX exploded and how like everyone the Christian record industry was like 
releasing these like kind of like not perfectly recorded records into Christian bookstores and Betty Rocker Records and Screaming Giant Records would be the two uh, record companies that I like was obsessed with. Betty Rocket Records is an amazing name and it sounds way too cool to be something quite so nerdy as Christian like Christian rock. Skate punk rock. Christian skate punk rock, yeah. Well, so the point is like I started listening to like bands like Noggin Toboggan and Watashi Wa. These and are all Face great Value. names. Great names. Don't <laughs> listen to their music. Sure they're lovely. No, they're all good. Jamming out for the Lord. Well, that's the thing Why is like not? all of the all of those bands were like this this like up and coming like wanna be next wanted to be next generation of tooth and nail records in the early two thousands and like never quite made it. You know? So uh oh, what was their names? Noggin Toboggan. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm just obsessed with that name. It's great. <laughs> I think about Cool Runnings. I think about a lot of other stuff. I don't know. I love it. 710 Split. That's another one. They were on Screaming Giant Records. Ah. So I just think of like these Christian bands that like in like an early 2000s, like what we now know as basically the swan song of like the Christian skate punk scene. There were these like these little upstart bands and stuff. That sounded on par with All Work and No Play. So when I listened to this song, it made me think of Face Value. It made me think of Frito Boat. It made me think of Noggin Toboggan. It made me think of all of these like up-and-coming, wanna-be-the-next-big-Christian-skate-punk bands. And I'm like, Reliant K was already there in 1998 when they did this demo with Mark Lee Townsend, who remained their producer forever. So I started thinking like how kind of great it is and how much it makes sense that Reliant K got to where they are when you consider the fact that th- here is their demo. Here is like their first properly recorded thing. And if they had any like bedroom tapes or anything, I guess we've never heard them. We don't know about them or whatever. But here's like their first real like independent demo release. And they're already on par with other bands that would be released on a pseudo national level in like the post tooth and nail going mainstream kind of world. So good for Reliant K. And I think that this album, I think this demo should have better consideration and not be considered so embarrassing, except of course for British Tyson. <laughs> That's the only drawback of this album. Sorry, I didn't pay attention to like any of that because you said swan song and all I could think of was that one of the last tracks on Honeymoon by Lana Del Rey is Swan Song, and it really was her swan song because it was the last time she was good. She was good. It was the last time she was proper Lana. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she's got that new album coming out, I guess, in March. Chemtrails over the country club. That sounds awful. That's an awful title, Lana. What are you doing? What are you doing? It's a worse title than Collapsible Lung. Oh my gosh. It's, yeah, like Collapsible, collapsible Lung. Lung's that could over go the anywhere. Club. They could be, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> chemtrails. You can't mention Chemtrails. Come on. Chemtrails <laughs> over the country club. Tune on this over sounds, the country club. <laughs> right. This sounds like it's just going to be like, what was that awful Coachella song? Coachella Part Two or something, where it just reads like a 13 year old girl's diary instead of like an amazing artist. How do you digress? Coachella Part 2 is the best Ugh. Tom DeLonge song. <laughs> so speaking of Tom DeLonge, <laughs> in a whole nother like, bracket of... Seamless segue. Yes. In a whole nother like, dimension of what I'm trying to express right now, 
I also started thinking of like Kerplunk and uh, Slappy, the first two, or 39 Smooth, 1039 Smooth and Five Hours, whatever. The first two Green Day albums, as well as Cheshire Cat, the first official Blink-182 album. And how, when you listen to those albums, maybe not che- maybe not Kerplunk, Kerplunk might be a little bit more well-produced, but when you think, when you listen instrumentally, I was doing comparisons, like one-to-one comparisons, and I was like listening to All Work and No Play, and then listening to Cheshire Cat, and listening to All Work and No Play, and listening to Smooth Out Slappy Hours, and I'm like, production-wise, Mark Lee Townsend working with Reliant K at that at this early point, he kind of like got it, like he they they kind of had it down, yeah. as far as this early skate punk sound, and like this isn't the exact sound that they had with their self-titled, it shifted a little bit, but this album is so good, and I personally, and I know this is controversial. But I personally think, like, Cheshire Cat, a nationally distributed album, technically a main, uh, technically a major label album. I think it's, like, an imprint. Grilled Cheese Records or whatever was, like, an imprint to something. I don't know. Whatever. It's It was a national album. And it sounds, production-wise... <sighs> I'm sorry to David Park and all the other Blink-182 fans <laughs> out there. <laughs> but at least... Reliant K and Matt Thiessen know how to write clever lyrics. At least they know how to write something that makes you think. <laughs> well, and also already know how to play their instruments. Versus that's absolutely true. Blink one eighty. Now I was gonna, I was going to take a little bit of umbrage and and be the 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 God's advocate. Not even the I apologize. The I love thing. I love you, Blink one eighty two fans. I love you, David Park. I'm I would say Blink-182 had awful and really bad lyrics in their first period, in like their Buddha and Cheshire Cat period, and then they took this giant leap with Dude Ranch, and they had these way better lyrics, I mean, putting aside when they're problematic, just like properly poetically phrased, and like they knew how, they knew how to like write a hook properly and stuff with Dude Ranch. But yeah, when you like look at strings, even though like a song like Blink-22 strings is like charming in its own way, the fact that the hook is strings, strings, it's like so not music that it's charming because you know, it's like why I like half Japanese because they're a band that's like so bad to me. Like they're just so outsider. He like didn't know, you know, he he writes music himself, like he didn't wasn't trained to do any of it or anything like that. It's like anti music in some way. Early Blink Twenty Two is like that. Like in some ways, there's like moments that are kind of anti music. Like they don't actually it's outsider know what they're shooting, and it's all it's outsider art. And it's the same way with like the first Ramones album. Like the first Ramones album is they really didn't know how to write a song, so that's why those songs are so great. Is because they didn't really know the rules of how you write a song. So like Relink, hey, you you can he look at how- all work no play. Yeah. It's immature, but he knew how to write a song. He, Matt you Thiessen could absolutely how see, to write it. Yeah, you could see that the potential was there. They were still trying even in, and I need the, I don't have the, the whole list of the whole um, I'll work and no play track list in front of me. Right. But there are songs that made it onto that first album. In this time, during this time, he was still writing things that would yeah, end up on anatomy. School, in yeah. real high school. And the thing is, like, most of the Blink-182 songs that they wrote in high school, most of the Cheshire Cat and Buddha songs and earlier, didn't really make it much further past that. 
like their live album and their greatest hits might have like a carousel and an M&Ms on it. But those songs are still like a stark contrast to anything on Dude Ranch and Enema and After. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say of how great I think it is and how underrated I think it is that Matt Thiessen and Reliant K can be at this immature point on their demo, All Work and No Play, and still have a certain step above someone that you might see as a peer, like Blink-182, where they he, he knew songwriting. Unfortunately, Absolutely. it's saddled with this like fake British accent thing. <laughs> right. That's the unfortunate <laughs> part. I Whereas, will give that to Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge. No fake British accent. I mean, yeah. Along the way that, some that I know of. lyrics here and there, oh, but like oh, no oh, fake British accents. Oh. See, again, why Reliant K is, dare I say, superior. Right. And maybe Mark Hoppus. Because just for all the sang. problematic lyrics that Reliant K has, it's a little slut shaming. It's a little <laughs> beer shaming. Like it's beer not Justin. Yeah, it's not Justin's fault. He has bad taste in beer, oh, like right. Miller Lite. Well, Blink One Eighty Two could be slut shaming too. They just weren't, exactly. They weren't beer shaming at all. <laughs> they were See? more like, "Hey, we're drinking beers in the parking lot." But you can having a great time. say what you will. Reliant K only goes so far in their offensiveness versus a Blink-182. So, <laughs> sorry. Now, I was, all the songs You're thinking on, about Lana Del Rey, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm thinking about the songs on this album. All tracks are, I'm looking at the Wikipedia for all work and no play. All tracks are written by Matt Season, And you have K-Car, which we've done. You have I Am Lion-O, which was re-recorded for the Anatomy of Tongue-in-Cheek. You have Staples, which was redone on the first album. Marilyn Manson, which we've done, which was redone. Kojak, which we're doing today. Um, the Charles in Charge theme song, which we'll do sometime. Register, which was never re-recorded. Be Rad, which we've already done and was never re-recorded. Curb, which was reworked into For the Moments I Feel Faint, which we haven't done yet. Soft, I'm skipping one. Softer to me is the last track, and we've done that. And then the second to last track that they never redone is called William. And I feel like we should have Bill Billingsley on that episode. (laughs) I really thought you were going to go off on like an X Files thing there because Danny, as a kid, was a big X Files fan. You want to have his dad take him to the convention? Yeah, yeah. It was the official convention, right? Crycheck was there. The oh, cigarette wow. smoking man was oh, there, wow. and Langley was there. Wow! I big time. I big cannot doings. believe your dad agreed to take you to that. Amazing. What, what do you mean? He he. We watched X Files together because he That's likes government. Sweet. He liked government stuff. He liked Tom Clancy. Oh, yeah, I was going to say he stuff. loves the Tom Clancy. Yeah, he liked Tom Clancy and stuff like that, and it was kind of you know a, a little bit of a shift sure. with the X Files stuff. Yeah, especially in the early years before it got too out oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway. So those are the those are the, yeah those are the songs. K Car, I am I mean I am Lionel fits so perfectly on their second major album, and you don't think for a second that this is like a song from their demo. No, not at all. So I'm just singing the praises today, which we haven't done for K Car or Softer to Me, or uh, what was the other <laughs> song they never re-recorded? Be Rad. Like, I, did, I didn't sing the praises of this demo when we talked about B-Rad. 
But I just feel like doing it this time. I'm like, Relying K. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, the British accent's a little silly and embarrassing. But I hope that they're super proud of what they were able to accomplish. Because this is essentially their Buddha and their Cheshire cat all wrapped into one. Absolutely. <laughs> Toby Mac listened to this and he said, I'm going to sign them. Exactly. And he heard K-Car. Yeah. And he didn't get offended at the end of the lyrics when they were like, Brandon Ebel gave us a call. He was like, hey, I better call them quick before Brandon Ebel calls exactly. them. <laughs> yeah. So after uh, aggrandizing this out, this demo for the last yes. 45 minutes or whatever we're at, um, let's actually talk about this song, which is called Kojak. So you started off saying that you didn't really like this song, but I really no, like no, this no, song. No, 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 not that I didn't like the song, just that I was saying when I listened to this song, I was like, oh, wow, this absolutely sounds like a bunch of friends just getting together, hanging out, playing music, is what it sounds like, instead of like a demo with a known entity who just so happens to be one of their dads, like, one of their friends' dads, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... But I mean, that's like I really think that this album, this demo, can hold water to all of those other albums I mentioned, like all of those Screaming Giant records that came out later in the 2000s, all those Benny Rocket records, and all of those like early records by Blink-182 and similar, and Green Day and similar kind of bands. Like I think Reliant K already had a foot up, like they kind of figured this stuff out from those other bands and already had a foot up by the time their demo came out. But Kojak, I love the opening bass line. It almost sounds like it's going to be a ska song at first. <laughs> it kind of sounds like just Propagandi's like... ska sucks. Like dun, 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 dun. I can't, I can't. I'm tone deaf when I sing, but you know what I mean. It sounds like that opening bass line from just, Ska sucks. Just like the great Rudy that Kojak is with that hat. Yes. His little like well, do you black want to get into straw hat about the Kojak with, show with the thing. Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the song, yeah. and then we'll talk about Kojak. Because I do have the, the lyrics up show. here. Let's look at the lyrics. Pretty basic. I mean, you can imagine it's it's the Reliant K demo, so you kind of have an idea. It's just on par with, with B Rad. Yeah, which is the thing is like compared to the last proper episode we did, which was uh, <laughs> whatever that was. The rest is up to you? Yes. So compared to the rest is up to you where I really didn't like the lyrics and I thought they were kind of intrusive to the enjoyment of the song, Be Rad and a song like this, the lyrics are just so sort of like innocuous and yeah. just like, just, just, just on par that they don't really cause you, you any chill, any, any D chills. They don't cause you any <laughs> bad feelings. Yeah. You really do pay a lot more attention to the music. Right. Uh, especially in pretty much all of this demo than you do the lyrics person. And plus, he's British, so I have a hard time understanding that drogue. Of course. <laughs> so the lyrics to Kojak and Kojak spelt with a C. Right. Not a K, like the TV show detective. Spelt with two Cs, technically. Because this, this was a problem we had. Yeah. Where Jessica was looking up the song on YouTube and she's like, it's not here. And I'm like, Kojak, they spelled it differently than... So I guess we'll have to talk about the show real quick. Okay. And let's talk about the show after, but let's talk about the spelling real quick. Okay. So Kojak, (laughs) those syllables are most famously known 
as a 70s cop show starring actor Telly Savalas. Right. He's a cop in New York City. He wears a pork pie hat. He's he Jennifer Aniston's godfather. Jessica Lernot. He His character wears a pork pie hat, sucks lollipops, and says, who loves you, baby? And he's a cop. He's like a 70s action television cop. Now, the television show is spelled K-O-J-A-K. This song is spelled C-O-J-A-C-K. So, we'll talk about it more after we talk about the lyrics, but the word Kojak, please someone call us up, David Lynch, call us up if you know more references to Kojak, the the, the word and the syllables being used elsewhere. But when we looked into it, a C-O-J-A-C-K Kojak is what you call a Corgi and Jack Russell Terrier uh, bred together as a dog, but... I don't know if that would have been a thing back in 1998 because those designer breeds yeah. are more recent. I yeah. could, it could be wrong, but like April's a chi weenie, right. and you didn't hear about chi weenies <laughs> in in 1998. So I don't know if you I would have heard like, about Kojak dogs. I feel like we read an article somewhere that was like chi were first invented in 1998 or something like right. crazy like that. So, working theory is that. This title is is a loose reference to the fact that the TV show existed, but right. they they spelled it differently for the same maybe the, for the same reason they spell reliant differently to yeah. avoid copyright. Because you've got Seventeen magazine where they spelled it differently, and you have you know like Charles in Charge where they love the references. Reliant right. K early Reliant K loves the references. Yes. Yeah. So I'm not sure. It's really not clear because we'll get into the lyrics, but the lyrics don't reference like being a cool 70s cop. <laughs> like they don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't. So it's like really unclear. And my working theory is that it's kind of a non sequitur, is that it's kind of just like they didn't have a real title for the song. I could, this is just completely wholesale cloth theory out of nothing. But I'm just thinking like when you think of skate punk bands and particularly like more pop punk and like suburban leaning skate punk bands and more sheltered type of <laughs> skate punk bands. A common theme is to like make references. Right. So maybe you'd like, like a Kevin Smith movie and exactly. knock off Kevin Smith movie. Right. So I remember my friend Jeff who had, who recorded music in his bedroom growing up he had like a song that i think referenced like metroid like i could be wrong he doesn't listen to the show who gives a shit <laughs> jeff he doesn't listen to the show i think he had songs that referenced metroid so hypothetically oh my gosh i sat through his soccer podcast and he doesn't listen to this one? <laughs> oh my gosh i don't even listen he to, got podcasts. Paid to do that podcast uh, uh, so anyway the point is like you should be listening jeff let's say you hypothetically had a song that you just called Samus because that's a cool like suit that's a cool like reference to Metroid but like not everyone will get that you called it Samus because not everyone knows that the main character is called Samus so it's like cool but then the song isn't about Metroid at all it's just kind of that's kind of like a it's pop about Super Smash to- Brothers yeah but that's just kind of a cool thing to just do like a non sequitur reference. And take sorry, taking it back one more second to Blink One Eighty Two. I know you said f- Tay. I thought you were gonna say Tay Swift, and for a minute I thought we were <sighs> gonna start talking about folklore, and I got really well, excited. <laughs> no, no, thank you. 
So to take it back to Blink-182 for one second, I know that that's a thing that they did with, like, at least Dude Ranch, because there was, like, an FAQ on their website around the time of Dude Ranch, where they, like, basically said, like, yeah, we're we weren't good with song titles for this album. So we just made up song titles out of nowhere. So they have songs like Dick Lips and Apple Shampoo and like, I don't know, some other songs that basically they, they, well, Apple Shampoo references the lyrics in a, in a disconnect, in a pseudo way. But like the song Dick Lips is like, they literally just came up with phrases that sounded like cool song titles that had not necessarily anything to do with the lyrics. So it seems like that's the kind of thing that like some of these late 90s into the early 2000s pop punk bands would do is like they wouldn't have a title for their song. So they'd come up with a non sequitur thing that sounded kind of cool like Kojak. Kojak's a cool (laughs) 70s detective from television that maybe Matt Thiessen watched with his grandma, father, mother. Sure, because Reliant K is young Gen X, right? Yeah. Yeah, So they were just like, I don't have a title for this song, so I'm going to call it Kojak. That's my working theory, is that it's really just a non-sequitur. So let's listen to the lyrics and see if this relates in any way to Telly Savalas' classic television character. Hey, do you have to go away just yet? Hey, wait, I think I really must confess that you looked really good tonight. Looked really good last night. Last night? Last night. We talked about this think- I think they mean thing that only God could bring. There's, okay, I'm going to pause for a second. There is a song meanings page. However, no lyrics listed. And it's just that same commenter who tells you to go to the softer to me discussion, which isn't even that exciting. (laughs) So I'm dealing with AZ lyrics. I'm dealing with Metro lyrics. Like, everybody's, you know, all over the place. It's hard to find lyrics for this because it is the demo. So... I apologize for any typos. We talked about this thing that only God could bring into our lonely lives. And you and I've just seen we fit together perfectly. And now I'm doing all right. Hey, do you have to go away just yet? Hey, wait, I think I really must confess that you looked really good last night. Last night, last night, last night, last night, last night, last night. So I double-checked the trademark.net website, and there's no scans. I mean, it's over there on the shelf, but there's no I, scans I checked when we were play. first starting this podcast, and there are right. no lyrics listed oh, in there. Right. It's just clip art. We talked about this with B-Rad. There were no le- official lyrics for B-Rad yet either. That's right. So... The lyrics aren't great, but you know what? They're just, they're doable. Yeah. They're just another instrument in the song. The song works. She He's letting a lady know that she looked great last night. Is she a Corgi Jack Russell hybrid? <laughs> Who knows? Is she Telly Savalas in a classic 70s television show? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Or is it like she's like is that the is that the name of the girl? Did people call her Kojak? Like was it an ironic name? Like the rocker oh. like the rock chick from the from <laughs> complex the complex infrastructure, infrastructure book, patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. Did she <laughs> was she like this cool girl who had an ironic name and her name was Kojak and she used to wear a trucker hat that said old fart and she used to wear <laughs> That's what it says in the book. That's what it says the rock chick wore. So 
So still, like, because these are very innocuous lyrics of just, like, telling a girl she looks pretty and, uh, you know, God is on our side and there's not much to it. I just, that kind of You looked real good when you accepted your promise ring last night at Youth Group, baby. I don't even know if promise rings were a thing in they 1998. Were, no, they weren't. I mean, they can't. couldn't have been a thing back then. I was like in high school youth group and, you know. <laughs> I mean, the band yeah, promise right, ring you know, was Yeah, thing. and, and th- we did not talk about promise <laughs> rings. The band promise ring was around, but they're not Christian. You know, when I was a kid, actually, now that you think about it, now that I think about it, a promise ring. I remember hearing about promise rings in the 90s and they were basically like, Pre-engagement like, rings. Yeah, it was like pinning yeah. back in the day. It was like when, here's when a, a fraternity brother would get his pin, his like fraternity pin, and he'd pin it on his, his best girl, right. probably in the neighboring sorority. Right. But now I'm thinking like Christian 2000s culture ruined the promise ring because it was not not the band, <laughs> not really the emo did. band. Because the, a promise I ring blame was the like, Jonas I am, I'm engaging to engage you. And it wasn't even a religious thing. It wasn't a Christian thing because I definitely heard about it oh, yeah, in like sure. non-Christian settings of like giving your girl a promise ring to yeah. say, hey, I'm going to yeah. ask you to marry me someday. And you're have three. I mean, it's I wonder if there's anyone the out there promise. who has three. I wonder if there's any women out there who have three rings because their guy... It, Engage to engage them in the 90s and not even in a Christian way. And then, so then the Christian like uh, purity culture comes around and they're like, a promise ring means you ain't gonna have sex. I had never heard of this promise ring thing outside of that like like 1950s very Americana sort of culture of I'm going to give you this promise ring and this is me making a promise that in the future. We will get married. Right. Like the episode of that 70s show where Eric gives Donna the promise ring and then she panics and thinks about him in the future and like she's not really into it and she's freaked out about the promise ring. You know who didn't wear a promise ring or give out a promise ring? Kojak. Telly Savalas. (laughs) Because he was a go get him guy. He was like, he was getting all the ladies up there in the Bronx or Manhattan or whatever. (laughs) Are we going to talk about the show? So now? let's talk about the show. Okay. So because we were like, there's no clear explanation. Oh, and I searched on Twitter for like <laughs> Reliant K Kojak, and there was no like anyone explaining. You know, no one saying what they. I found, found. Why would there be on Twitter? I found one random person who was like Kojak by Reliant K is like a forgotten awesome jam or whatever. But um, that's than more that, than I would think you would find. So well, I that's found good. That. Did you try? Did you try uh, Tumblr? I didn't try Tumblr, but you know what? I didn't try. I didn't try try the spelling of the actual show. So while I do that, let's talk about the show. We were like not sure. really clear on why the song is called Kojak, except maybe the theory that I just came up with. And what was your reasoning? Just that they what, why you oh, think I it's agree. called Kojak? You disagree? Yeah, it's yeah. just like a random reference. Yeah. To fill in a title they didn't have. For sure, because Reliant K loves references. Gotcha. And it's such a... This is such a generic song lyrically. Just like, I like you, Mm -hmm. girl, and God loves you, too. (laughs) Like, what do you call a song like that? You call it... What do you call it? Lame. I love you, girl, and lame. (laughs) I love you, girl, and God loves you, too. That's a little too on the nose, (laughs) even for all work and no play. We're going to go to the sock hop, the Sadie Hawkins dance, and my khaki pants. Yeah. So searching Kojak, the way it's spelled on the show, K-O-J-A-K, and Reliant K, doesn't come up with anything. 
So Jessica and I were like, well, I guess Kojak has to be a reference to the show because as far as we can tell, those syllables have no other meaning in like pop culture in the world aside from the show, which is spelled differently. But like, well, so let's watch an episode of the show. So we watched... What was I it went, called? I, so when I was looking, I was trying to look up best episodes of Kojak because I'm like, well, we could start with the pilot or there's some movies or something. Right. Like oh, there's so Star I Trek. Refer- like, Yeah. So I, I, I looked into, well, it's a little different than Star Trek. Star Trek started as a show. Oh, excuse me. Well, hold on. <laughs> I don't mean to. I don't mean to. I'm um, actually you. I don't mean to mansplain Kojak to you. She's laughing so much right now. You absolutely do. I'm, I'm gonna mansplain. I'm gonna mansplain Kojak to you. I didn't know this until I looked into it. But basically, Kojak started as a TV movie. It was just like a. It was a two-hour. It's probably an hour and a half after commercials. I don't know, but it, on IMDb, it's a two-hour television movie about a cop investigating a crime and it was basically like a a movie pilot for the television show then the television show lasted for five years in the 70s and it was like 125 episodes and then after the television show ended there were seven more movies every couple years up through the 80s and they were television movies there was no theatrical kojak movies as far as i could tell there was also a 2005 remake Whoa. Of the Kojak television show starring Ving Rhames. Oh, wow. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So basically it's about a cop. In, he's like a lieutenant in New York. And it's just like a cool cop. He's just like, I mean, if you're, if you're into cops these days. He's just a cool <laughs> 70s cop. And he like sucks on lollipops. And he says, who loves you, baby? And he has a ska hat. He, he did not say who loves you, baby. Oh, he did. In the episode we watched. And I was really bummed out about that. So going back, uh, when I was doing my research for this, I just tried to look up what the best Kojak episodes were. And Ranker came up with an, came up with the number one was Atlantic City Gift. Gift from Atlantic City. What was it? Something like that. Yeah, Gift from Atlantic City, which went into the plot. Yeah. So that episode was available for like purchase on iTunes. So I bought it on iTunes so that Danny and I could watch it for the episode for this episode of yeah. their show yeah so yeah it's cool i get it i kind of get it like when you just like i like a like a barrel chested <laughs> sort of bald guy in that very 70s like swarthy sort of sex appeal way like that sure. same thing that made like burt reynolds a, uh, like a sex symbol that kind of like Right. That dad, that like what nowadays is considered like a dad chest, but at the time, dad nobody, bod, yeah. yeah, no one thought of a dad bod as a dad bod in the seventies. It was yeah, just what, a regular. At man one bod. point, they met with a character who was supposed to be the owner of a bowling alley, and that dude looked like Ron Jeremy. So there you go. <laughs> it's very seventies. It looks it looks cool. He just kind of like walks in, and he's oh, you know, I watched some clips on YouTube as well, and I think in the early episodes, or at least like the first TV movie, he actually did smoke a cigarette. So I guess they were like, well, uh. if this is going to a TV, and I'm extrapolating now. I'm sure, sure this is the case though. They were like, oh, if this is going to series, then I don't want to be smoking on every episode, or they didn't want him smoking on every, every other episode. show is like smoking. I know, at but that maybe Telly Savalas didn't want to be smoking for like you know twenty weeks a year or however long they produced the show so it was like well let's give me a lollipop so he sucks on lollipops for on the show he was sucking lollipops in this episode and the lollipops actually came into the plot 
which is funny because it's just like a character trait for him on the show, but it came into the plot because the gift from Atlantic City, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who might want to watch the episode, but basically... it's the most basic, like, like... D&D 5e thing where it's like he smokes he smokes he sucks a lollipop that's what my character does like what okay sure why not but basically he figures out that this one character isn't who they say they are because he finds this little I don't want to spoil it but I'm spoiling it a little bit he finds Danny Danny he finds came out in the 1970s We've had all had time to watch the episode. In the third act of the show, he or in the fourth act because it's television, he meets this little girl sitting on the streets of the Bronx, and she's eating Atlantic City taffy. And he's like, "Where'd you get that?" Because he sees it says Atlantic City, and he knows that the like people who may or may not be guilty of what's going on are from Atlantic City. And she, he's like, this lady gave it to me. And he's like, can I have some of that if I give you these lollipops? And like his actual lollipops came into the plot. So he could kind of prove that this lady from Atlantic City was actually the bad guy. So that's kind of like, uh, I may, that must be why it's considered the greatest episode. Because his candy addiction played into the plot. It's true. Man, they could have just left that hanging. It could have just been a thing. And because they're... A great TV show. They don't have to answer the question of why. Why but does they he always use the lollipops? Yeah, they gave us a reason, and you have to uh, you have to appreciate it. So I went on YouTube and I did find this one clip of him saying his famous catchphrase, and <laughs> I. The thing Sorry, is, I'm laughing because you already played this for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the thing is. I was familiar. I had never seen an episode of Kojak. Somehow I was a somehow from being like in my late 30s, I was familiar with him from the zeitgeist. Like you don't see Kojak parodies nowadays in the 2020s. You didn't see them in the 2010s. I don't think I heard the name before. But for some reason in the 1990s, like I had heard the name Kojak in whatever way. They weren't playing. If they were playing on television, I certainly didn't watch them. But somehow just seeing like, you know, talk shows or something reference Kojak. I knew that Kojak was a character from pop culture that I wasn't familiar with. And I have a memory of my dad talking about Kojak at one point and saying how weird, and this has got to be in like the late eighties or the early nineties. And my dad's saying like, Oh yeah, there was this show called Kojak. And he was, he used to say, who loves you, baby. That was his catchphrase. He'd say, who loves you, baby. And be like, not me, you weirdo or whatever. (laughs) Not you, you weirdo. (laughs) Good. So hear your dad or your mom saying Because it's that. a weird catchphrase. Just it is to say a who, weird catchphrase. Like who, like if it's like James Bond and he says it to his Bond girl at who the end of every you, movie. Baby. Yeah, like, then it makes sense. But how can Kojak say it to somebody at the end of every episode? Well, I found this clip and it, I guess he says it. It's a very 2020s thing because I guess who loves you, baby, was an ironic thing because here he is saying it to the bad guy of the episode. Hey, fish. Who loves you, baby? You're beautiful. Baby. <laughs> baby. He says it very differently than what I imagined him saying it. I thought of more of like a Bruce Campbell delivery, yeah. I think, with that line. It's an ironic phrase. It's like he'd look at somebody that he's just one-upped or something and be like, who loves you, baby? <laughs> right. 
right. Apparently that's what the catch... Maybe he also said it in non-ironic settings. Maybe in, sometimes when he got a lady in the episode, maybe he'd say, hey, who loves you, baby? I don't mean it ironically this time. I want to see that. But the reason Jessica was laughing is because this one YouTube video uploaded by 0316 Stonewell, that's the YouTube channel name, uploaded Kojak, who loves you, baby, two years ago. It's just a clip of Kojak saying, who loves you, baby. But it open, the video opens and ends with two memes, two image memes of just a shot of Telly Savalas as Kojak with the words, who loves you, baby. So it's this image and it fades out and then you see the clip and then it fades back to another meme of Telly Savalas saying, who loves you, baby. I need more of him saying, who loves you, baby, because I need to know if he says it like, who loves you, baby, or like, who loves you, baby? Like he does in the thing, like he's Moira Rose. Well, here's, I guess this is like a tourist. I guess this is like a tourist commercial for Duluth that what? he was paid to do. Okay. And it's called Duluth. Who loves you, baby? Where Telus Stavalis is going to tell us why we should visit Duluth. Like Duluth Trading Company or the place? I guess the place. It says visit Duluth. Sure, you can go skiing in Switzerland, play golf in Scotland, or sail or fish off the coast of Mexico. Those all sound But it's great. all right here in Duluth. Oh. Who loves you, baby? www.visitduluth.com. Oh. And that website did not exist when Telly Savalas did this commercial. So here's the commercial. You know, I went on a spree in 83, skiing in Switzerland, a little golf in Scotland, sailing and fishing off the coast of Mexico, swimming in Hawaii. And on my way to that city by the bay with its restaurants and I'm beyond San Francisco, I decided to stop over in Duluth to catch my breath. But you know what? It took my breath away. I could have saved myself a lot of traveling. And you know why? Because it's all right here. Duluth. Who loves you, baby? I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about Jack Kerouac's later work. I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, so that's... That's something. That's Telly Savalas as Kojak. And that's, I mean, was there anything else you wanted to say about the show Kojak? I was just wondering if, like... I did take some notes. Since, since, since the mats are 10 years older than me, and I was just vaguely familiar, like... Wait, wait, wait. Kids today... Wait, wait, wait. Today, wait. 10 what? years? Don't you mean two years? Or is he two years older than me? I got confused for a second. You're my not career me, is, My career is 10 years older than me. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got confused. So since the Mats are a couple years older than me, and I was just familiar with Kojak as um, as a pop culture reference in my childhood, but not as an actual not as an actual celebrity you'd see on TV. Maybe Matt Thiessen was familiar with Kojak as an actual show that he watched in reruns as a kid with his family or with his parents or something. Um. But I did happen to write down a couple notes during the episode because okay. I didn't know how much we were going to really dive into the episode that we watched. Well, how or long not? is this episode so, of our show so far? Uh, we're at a like a cool fifty-six. Okay, cool. So I wrote down. They go to a bowling alley. There's an explosion. There's a bomb that goes off at a bowling alley in the beginning at, like, such a very 70s bowling alley. Like, it it looks straight out of Buffalo 66. Like, very, very classic 70s bowling alley. 
Yes. So I wrote, imagine how bad that bowling alley smelled. Like feet, <laughs> cigarettes, and broken dreams. Back in the days of Meatloaf Monday. Very bald, very shouty. Yeah. <laughs> very bald, very shouty. But he gets like, the job done. Oh my gosh, exactly. Like, the... like. The second scene was Kojak going in and, like, arguing with his superiors. He's, like, <laughs> shouting. They're all shouting at each other. I'm like, OMG, this is a little too much. I'm getting cruising vibes here. Let's just move on. Yeah. I did. Okay, so I did of this because I was only kind of, we were eating dinner at the time. I was only kind of not half paying attention. I was more than a half paying attention. I watched the whole episode. But... I was definitely, like, I did enjoy riding around 1970s New York. Yeah, that was fun. Like, they really shot it on location in New York in the 70s. Which was amazing. And, like, my all-time favorite movie is Taxi Driver. So I really loved just getting to go around. Although it was it was during the day. But right. still, just I love that. I, there were and some things that looked like Dog shot, Day Afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not even close to as beautifully as shot. We're talking about TV here. But right. still... It, it was just so cool. You saw this, like, tattoo parlor where you're like, wow, get, like, a really bad tattoo with a side of hepatitis. <laughs> like, I mean, just amazing. Those those beautiful neon signs, but turned off. Like, because they were all daytime shots, except for the very end, which was, like, I was like, did they shoot this in Brooklyn? And did they just say to the Dog days Dog Day Afternoon guys, like, hey... Can we, like, use your set for Kojak afterwards? And they were like, yeah, sure, why not? Because there's a showdown in the episode we watched between the cops and the bad guys. And it all takes place in a, outside of a bank in a very Dog Day Afternoon, like, sort of fashion. Mm-hmm. Well, there are no covers oh. of Kojak, unfortunately. Oh, we're skipping ahead because I do have deep dive. Oh, you have more deep dive. I, I haven't even that. gotten to the deep dive yet, well, Danny. Well, tell us the deep dive. Well, first, why don't we take a break? Nah. Just <laughs> kidding. We'll be right back. If you enjoy Sadie Hawkins' pod, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can interact with the show. Call our voicemail line, 402-95-SADIE, and we'll play it on a future show. You can send an email to sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com and visit our Instagram and Twitter, which are both at sadiehawkinspod. We also have merch up at our Tee Public store, where you can get a shirt, a mug, stickers, and more. Just in time for Halloween, or for after Halloween, depending on when you're listening to this, is our Little Sheep Boy shirt design, based on the cover of the original Creepy EP. We also want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod. Brady, David, Tucker, This Might Be a Podcast, Owen, Jimmy Pod, Roxanne, Samantha, Helen, Michael, and Connor. You can sign up to our Patreon for bonus episodes and exclusive merch. And if you have a special someone in your life, think of giving them the gift of Sadie Hawkins Pod. (laughs) Coming back with Josh Below's Every Reliant K Song ranked from Jukebox Junkie Josh, was at number 189 from All Work No Play Kojak. And that's out of his ranking all the Reliant K songs up to 192. Yes, this song is so good. This song is a skate punk jam. 
It's got the amazing hook of last night. Do do you want to know the three songs that it's above? Because it's only three songs from the bottom. PTL from Collapsible Lung. Amazing. I really wish I had read PTL is the best song in Collapsible Lung. I wish I had read this because we've covered this song, right? Because I don't know, you and I in in our own lives just talk about this song so much. So I couldn't remember if we had covered it or not, but I thought we had. So PTL PTL is the very last song. PTL stands for Prince Type Lick. Okay. Lick meaning like a guitar lick. It's a Prince type song. Right on. Uh, At 191 was Anchorage from the self-title. Then at 190 was Be Rad from All Work and No Play. And then Kojak. The the song the, that just beat Kojak out was C-U-R-B or Curb from All Work, No Play. Now, I don't... You'll have to remind me, and if you don't remember, I'm sure that David Gotta Catch Em All, D's on nose, <laughs> where this is from. But did I read the Jesus Freak hideout for All Work, No Play? I don't last think time? so. I don't remember I that. didn't think so. So over at Jesus Freak hideout, they gave this album two out of five stars. If you've ever been to a concert with some young, inexperienced bands, you may have heard a band who just wasn't quite ready to perform songs of their own. Instead, these band plays covers of songs by other bands. This can be a good crowd pleaser because they will be more likely to recognize the song, but it also lacks maturity, any sort of originality. I first listened to All Work and No Play after already hearing Reliant K's debut album. At first listen, I almost had to check the label to make sure that the disc wasn't actually by Reliant K, not a different band covering... Not a different band playing covers of their self-titled debut. You see, with a couple exceptions, this record is basically an unpolished version of the band's Goatee Records debut. That said, let's take a look at how it turned out. If Awesome. <laughs> it turned out awesome. It turned out better than you could imagine. Man, I hope he brings up British Teason. Or they bring up British Teason. Oi, I'm Matt. Excuse me. I'm Matt Teason. <laughs> If I were looking at this record from the perspective of someone who had never heard Reliant K before, I would at least credit them with talent and definite potential. Aside from that, not a whole lot can be said about this indie album. Matt Teeson sounds completely what? Matt Teeson sounds completely different. Well, yeah, because he's from the British Isles. Oh, I'm British Teeson. My British accent's worse than my Australian accent. What what are you talking about? My British accent is worse than Dinny's accent. Oh, okay. I got <laughs> confused for a second. Dinny doesn't have a very good accent because he spent a lot of time in the Americas. Ah, that makes sense. I gotcha. I gotcha. Matt Teeson sounds completely different, and the Reliant K feel just isn't there. The song from this album... <laughs> Excuse me, I'm yawning because... I don't like what this <laughs> what this review has to say about my favorite songs. <laughs> the songs from this album were left off the band's self-titled release. Are nothing unique. Adversely, what? the songs on the self-titled disc not per- the songs on the self-titled disc 
not present here. Not presented here. Yeah. Are some of the band's finest from their early years, i.e. Hello McFly wake-up call. And thus the disc is mediocre at best. And while not without its high point, softer to me is still very well done. It is obvious the band has come a long way. If you are able to attain a copy of this rare disc, consider yourself lucky. It does serve as a great collector's item and gives a glimpse of what the band was like before they exploded onto the CCM scene in 2000. If you're looking for songs like Be My Escape or My Girl's Ex-Boyfriend, don't look here. But if you are searching for a rare, fun CD from the early days of Relank, hey, hunt this down and check it out. Just don't expect a Dove Award winning debut. Review, January 20th, 2005, written by Spencer Priest. Controversy. I think this album's amazing. I think this song's amazing. What did I miss? You're laughing at me like I'm not talking about the things that you specifically said. Because I was looking at... Because I was looking at memes. I'm sorry. I was looking at memes on Twitter. But as soon as they were like, oh, this album's not as good as their later albums. I'm like, no. No, it's it's great. It's a great album. I don't need to listen to you anymore, Jesus Freak Hideout. Next up, we have ReliantK.Tripod.com. And I don't know what Tripod is. Tripod is a, pl- a place where you'd make your own websites. Like it's a like GeoCities. Okay, exactly right on. Like, exactly like a GeoCities. Well, a very GeoCities looking like 1998 website is here. It has Reliant K. They've got the, the K car symbol that a little like yeah. sheen is sparkling off of. Got the info. Who is Reliant K? Reliant K is a Christian punk band which plays shows all over. Their music has compared to punk bands such as Blink-182 and MXPX. However, they have a sound of their own. Each member of the band is very skilled at his respective instrument, and their sophisticated instrumentals put most other punk (laughs) bands to shame. Yeah, that's what I was saying. With three of Just listen to Kojak with its ska bass opening. With... Three of their band members being talented vocalists, their songs, wow, who at this point are they leaving out? Who at this point are they being like, yeah, you're not I'm a good vocalist? I'm guessing they're just leaving out Brian, because Dave Douglas is a talented vocalist, and Matt Thiessen, obviously, and then Hoops, although he wouldn't have sang a bunch, he sang here and there, so I would guess they're just... Plus, that's I think that's what... Sorry, sidebar. When you listen to... Um, Mark Lee Townsend on his YouTube channel talk about the uh, the old Lang Syne thing uh-huh. that they did for the Christmas albums, and I think he talks about how they purposely picked Brian because right. he wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. he was the only <laughs> non vocalist in the band during the original four uh, lineup. Their songs frequently have sweet multiple part harmonies. Their lyrics are always clever, intelligent, and insightful. Also, unlike bands such as Blink-182, they sound really sweet live. Oh, it's like burn. You you hinted to that earlier, (laughs) but no, you were absolutely correct in how Blink-182 couldn't play their instruments. (laughs) Because I remember in the lead up to the release of Enema of the State, Blink-182 played... So at the VMAs, at the Video Music Awards, and I don't know if if this works the same way anymore, but in the 90s, in the late 90s, You'd have the whole lineup of all the bands that were going to play at the VMAs, but you would have a pre-show outside of Radio City Music Hall, and they would have a band play 
up on the marquee of Video City Music Hall. I remember oh, they had cool. they had Beck play one year. Basically, like the band, Not cool. the, <laughs> the band that like uh, one artist that would basically just get edged out of getting to perform at the VMAs. So one year Beck <laughs> was up there. One year Foo Fighters was up there. Famously. Pat Smear's last performance with the band bef- with the Foo Fighters. You say up left. on the marquee. Is this like, is this like Empire Records yes, at the end where exa- they're playing up yes, on top of the building in exactly. front of the the sign? Yep. Amazing, I love it. So famously, Pat Smear's last performance with the Foo Fighters before he left the band for a long time was on that pre VMAs marquee. Anyway, the the Mighty Mighty Boston's played the v- pre VMA oh. show one time. But Blink-182 played the pre-VMA show one year. And I just I just remember thinking I loved Blink-182 at the time. And this is in the lead up to Enema of the State. And in order to play the opening like notes of What's My Age Again, Mark Hoppus had to lean right over his <laughs> guitar and look directly at it. And it is such a comparison to how I had been obsessed with Billy Joe Armstrong for years and how he never had to look down at his guitar. And he he always felt so cool playing his guitar and helping me too. had to look directly at what they were playing <laughs> because they just barely knew how to do it. <laughs> also, unlike bands such as Blink-182, they sound really sweet live. In addition to that, they put on an awesome show. The members of Reliant K are Matt Hoops, guitar slash vocals, Matt Thiessen, guitar slash vocals, Brian Pittman, bass, Dave Douglas, drum slash vocals. Steven Cushman used to drum, but he left the band sometime before Reliant's homecoming concert in late 2000. Reliant had a temporary drummer for a while. When I saw them in February with Five Iron Frenzy, I was surprised to find Dave Douglas drumming for them. Dave is well known to the oh, Canton. Oh, this is an early blog then. Yeah. So this wasn't. This is an early, this early, is an early blog. What website? Tripod. This is an early tripod page. This it's is called like ReliantKcar.tripod.com. They were like, we. I love Matt. Matt. Brian and Steven. They're my favorite band. And if they ever change up, I'll be very sad. That's so funny that... So they're saying like they had a temporary drummer and the temporary drummer was Dave Douglas. No, they had a temporary drummer for a while. And then Uh, they had Dave Douglas, who they were surprised because... Uh, to find Dave drumming for them because it says here that Dave is well known to Canton, no, to the Canton, Ohio punk scene as the former frontman of Linus's Blanket. Oh, and as, I think I heard this once, but I don't. I, uh, it's settling in now. And as the former drummer of the Kelly Kapowskis, huh. because of his proven drumming and singing abilities, he fits in perfectly. Plus, he's a great guy. What's the deal with Relying K uh, scooping up front men to join their band? They did it with Dave <laughs> Douglas, and then they did it with John Warren. That's so funny. And, you know, we cut this out of last week, but Jessica found an article last week that talked about Dave Douglas leaving the band when we were talking about The Rest is Up to You. And we cut it out of the episode because we realized we misread the article as we were recording the episode because they were like... You know, Dave was the fourth drummer in five years or whatever. And we got confused because we thought they were talking about the five years before he left the band. 
And in the edit of the episode, I realized, no, they were talking about he was the fourth drummer in the five years until Dave joined the band. Yeah, and we didn't know about the, the so temporary drummer. So yeah, apparently there was a temporary so, yeah, drummer in between was. Steven and Dave. Yeah. And we know there was a different drummer on All Work and No Play. So All Work and No Play drummer, Steven, this other guy that was between Steven and Dave, and Dave, that's four. So there must have been a fifth drummer at some point elsewhere. Was it four or was it five? For I'm sure. pretty sure they said five. Hmm. But so, yeah, I guess there were a lot of like, other than Steven, other than Dave, and other than that drummer that's credited for All Work and No Play, I think there were one or two other drummers in the middle there. In 2000, Reliant K, after they were signed by Goji Records, released a self-titled album. The songs are Hello McFly, my girlfriend, wake up call, benediction, when you're around, softer to me, Charles in charge, Staples, Anchorage, Seventeen magazine, balloon ride, everything will be Nancy Drew K car. Benediction is just an extra track inserted at the end of wake up call, and Anchorage is really just the beginning of Seventeen magazine. So in reality, the album has twelve songs. Helmic Fly starts the album off well because it is a song most people like the best at first. My girlfriend and subsequently McFly is the first single off the album. The album sounds more processed than the last, owning to the fact that Reliant K is now a signed band. Well, obviously, they're going to sound a little different and more processed than on their demo. Mm -hmm. This has added some cool things to the album, such as clearer sounding instruments and vocals, I would hope so, and the oddly cool beatbox effect in Everything Will Be. In 1998, the guys of Reliant K recorded the album All Work and No Play independently. Although the recording is a bit lo-fi, there's not a bad or even mediocre song on it. It truly is a great punk album. On it, both Matt Hoops and Matt Thiessen play guitar and sang. Plus, Brian Pittman played the bass and Todd Ferriscone drummed. The songs on this album are K-Car, I Am Lion O, Staples, Marilyn Manson, My Girlfriend, Kojak, My Good Friend Charles, Register, B-Rad, C-U-R-B, or Curb, William, Softer to Me. Unfortunately, all copies of this album have been sold. Reliant K songs are great, and their playing is sweet. And more than that, in their lyrics and at their show, they do God's work. So visit the concerts page to go mm-hmm. to a Reliant K show near you. Well, I'm very Let's interested go. to click on that. And then at the very bottom, they have that. Do you remember this, Danny, doing like really early bloggy HTML, how you could put like the pictures at like the bottom or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they put a picture of a K car at the bottom. And by the way, their tiled background still to scroll image is of like the inner workings of i don't know an engine or a car maybe what does this look like to you it's an engine i don't know yeah who cares (laughs) (laughs) and that is it for the deep dive this week well there are no covers as i was getting to before there are no no covers of kojak by reliant k so instead we'll just hear from kojak himself singing (laughs) This is, oh, Telly, wow. this is Telly Savalas, who apparently had a couple of albums released. Like, oh. I guess, Jim Neighbors, how he had albums released. This is... Danny, Jim Neighbors was the songbird of his generation. He absolutely was. And Telly Savalas was the songbird of the generation after that, with his song, Some Broken Hearts Never Mend. This is that song by Telly Savalas. 
black cigarette Start this day like all the rest First thing every morning that I do Oh, wow. I'm getting some real Joe Piscopo vibes off of this. What? Joe Piscopo didn't do country music, though. He did, like, crooner music. Well, this is like a country crooner type thing Telly Savalas did with this. Let's, let's hear more. Let's he get to the hook. A, listen, Joe Piscopo had a variety show, Danny. Let's get to Telly, let's get to the hook of Telly Savalas' hit song, Some Broken Hearts Never Mind. Start missing So what do you think of that? What do you think of that one cover we have of Wow. <laughs> so two years ago, Chica Boom said, Mr. Lollipop, who loves you, baby? <laughs> Telly, he had charm. Cool glasses emoji, black heart emoji, swirling heart emoji, and that got fifty-eight up likes. <laughs> yeah. And he also had one other song. I guess this is what we got to end on. He oh. had a song called from 1958 called Who Loves You, Baby? His catchphrase. Oh, oh, Here you go. Wow. This is oh. Telly Savalas' Who Loves You, Baby? When the world starts to kick you around you find yourself flat on the ground But it's a sure when to fight There'll be someone to jive you And try to keep bringing you down Now for a while you might take that abuse And convince yourself to stay loose But then one day he'll throw you away And say you're good for nobody's use But then I'll come your way Turn your blackest night into day when you're needing it bad, cause of rough times you bad, I'm gonna look at you and I'm gonna say, Who loves you, baby? By now you ought to know. Are you ready for Telly Savalas to say, Who loves you, baby? I am. And throw me away? I am. I, it's fantastic. <laughs> I understand now why Joe Pesci was like, I need an album, because he looked at this Kojak album and he was like, I gotta do Wait, it. Wait, which one? Joe Pesci? Yeah, oh, Joe you Pesci. You mentioned Joe Piscopo before. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I've moved on but from that. But also Joe Pesci from, yes, absolutely. had his al- his rap album. <laughs> yes, because he saw this, he heard this, and he's like, you know what? If Kojak can do it, I can do it. I can make an album. It'll be great. Well. And it is. Again, two years ago, around the same time as that last comment on another song, this one, Angela Savales <laughs> says, Telly Savales was and still is the sexiest man around. He is a wonderful actor and singer. I miss him. Who loves you, baby? I do. I don't know if that's like his wife. Or I was like... going to say, is this his wife or someone who's really into him? Back in the day, 
I used to go to Star Wars weekends when I was in high school at (laughs) MGM Studios, and it was still called MGM Studios, no Hollywood Studios yet, in in Orlando. And you would have to wait in line, in really long lines, to do, like, meet and greets with the different stars and stuff. They had different things going on. And there was this woman, and, like, she was, like, so well-known that Everybody would, like, talk about her, and you would see her walking by, just, like, frown on her face. She had legally changed her last name to Skywalker and believed she was married to Luke Skywalker. Oh, no. Did she find out that Luke Skywalker died? She, I don't know. The last time I went to one of these is when I was in high school, so I have no idea. But that just made me think of that. And I, well, it, I don't remember why now, but I had it, a point. <laughs> Angelia Savales is not one of his right. known spouses. His known spouses this, this were is the Catherine, lady Marilyn, and Julie. Oh, wow. This and is just somebody in love. I, I actually did know this because I remember also his death in 1994. But we didn't mention that. Mm. Telly Savales died in 1994. Oh, wow. Kojak himself. The Kojak of the inspiration to the song in which Reliant K says, You're looking good. Jesus loves you. Baby. Jesus loves you, baby. That's what Christian Kojak said. <laughs> Jesus loves you, baby. So, Jessica. Yes. Do you love this amazing skate punk jam more, the same, or less than when you heard it before? Man, more. So much more. It's the, best, it's the one of the best songs on this album. I don't know. I really love to be rad. I have to be honest. This and Be Rad are pretty great songs. And I also didn't... This is more... Uh, sorry. Be Rad is more of a jam than this, though. I don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 on it. Be Rad is more skatey. Be, yeah. Be Rad is more, like, yeah. skate punk. But I don't know. This song... This song's got that something. Who loves it, baby? I do. <laughs> we just wasted... Maybe one minute of your life. 